You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Matt Hart. So my name is Matt, and I'm a part of our family ministries team here at New Hope, and we are absolutely thrilled that you've chosen to spend part of your Sunday morning with us today. Now, if you've been with us over the past few weeks, you know we've been on this journey together, going through part of the Gospel of Matthew, specifically looking at the words of Jesus. But I have to be honest with you. As we've went through this series, I found myself every week kind of coming back to one central question. And the question is this, what must a person believe to be a faithful follower of Jesus? What must a person believe to be a faithful follower of Jesus? And this is a fundamental and I think an essential question. Because if something's not fundamental or it's not essential, should we really be involved in it? But before we dive into the topic for today, I just want to kind of start out a little bit different. Have you ever stopped to think about all the different versions of Christianity? You know, sometimes you have different versions, different denominations, different belief systems, that all seem to come with their own set of terms, conditions, expectations, or traditions. And sometimes churches may say, well, there's only one version of the Bible that you can possibly use. Or maybe they baptize differently, or maybe they do communion differently. But regardless of all the differences, do you know what every single version of Christianity has in common? I'd like to say yes. They all believe they're right. Am I wrong? And here's the thing, is if they're right, that means that others are, well, we don't want to say wrong, but we'll just say less right. But have you ever stopped to think about the message that that conveys to people that are outside of the walls of the church? They probably sit there, and I can imagine them kind of scratching their head and saying, if you all can't even agree on the most basic things, then why should we listen to you? Why should we follow you? And to make matters worse, in every generation since roughly the second century, cultures have had this idea that they can weave or blend other new ideas into the central stream of Christianity. And these new and novel and honestly sometimes toxic or disruptive or harmful ideas become a part of what the church teaches. And sometimes these new or toxic or disruptive ideas, they get elevated to the point that they become dogma or doctrine or fundamentals to the point that if you reject those things, you can't say you're a Christian. Now, why do I tell you that? Well, because that should be concerning to you. Because it's concerning to me 
Because when non-essentials begin to characterize or define a church or define Christianity, here's what happens. Honest, thoughtful people step away. Honest, thoughtful people step away. And these people don't step away because they stop believing in God or they don't stop honoring the Bible, or they don't look at it and say, well, I don't believe what I've been taught about Jesus. But they step away because they believe that something just isn't right. And in some cases, they begin on this journey called deconstruction. We're basically saying this, and this is how I'm defining that, that they step out of organized religion to kind of sort out the essentials from the non-essentials. And in many cases, what these people are doing is they're simply going back to what the first century believers believed. And maybe for some of you today, that's your story. That you came in here today and you said, I just, I've been a part of organized religion before and it just didn't feel right. And so you're trying to figure out what this whole following Jesus thing looks like. You'd still say you have faith. You'd believe that Jesus was who he claimed to be. But you had to take a step back. And so the question for you and I today is simply this. What is fundamental? What is essential? I'm not talking about comfortable, familiar, or fashionable. What is fundamental? And this is so important because non-essentials can eventually become obstacles. Non-essentials can eventually become obstacles because when those non-essentials get woven into the overall stream of Christianity, they oftentimes become obstacles to others when they try to come to faith. So let's dive into what we really want to talk about today. And through this series, we've talked about a variety of phrases or things that Jesus discussed as essential, specifically regarding how to be a disciple maker. And so I'm going to run through all of these real quick. They're going to be on the screen. But I encourage you that if you've missed any of these, to go back and listen, because each one of these has valuable content to help you on your journey. So throughout this series, here's what we've said about disciple makers, is that disciple makers have a true faith. Disciple makers are humble. Disciple makers have accountability partners. Disciple makers forgive. Disciple makers love to be with Jesus and his followers. Disciple makers are radical followers of Jesus. Disciple makers don't compare themselves to others. And finally, disciple makers seek Jesus no matter what others say. Now today what I want to do is I want to fast forward a little bit to Jesus' final command or his farewell address, which in many cases probably explains why any of us are here today. You see, each of those constructs that we've discussed, they must be taken seriously, but they also, as we'll see today, must be taken personally. 
You see, as we just saw in that video that very quickly (laughs) captured everything that Jesus did, we understand that Jesus was crucified for the sins of everyone. And three days later, he was resurrected from the dead. And here's why this is so incredible, is because following his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his apostles, to the women that had been following him, and to many others. And he told them, he says, I want to meet with you in Galilee. He appears to them in Jerusalem or Judea, and he tells them, spend a couple days here and then meet me in Galilee, which is where most of his followers originated from. Now, some people speculate that it was safer in Galilee at this time, but there's also the fact that Matthew, who gives us the words that we're going to look at, was in Galilee. And so here's what Matthew says, picking up in chapter 28, verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountains where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Now here's the thing. There were eleven disciples at this point. They went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And why did they do this? Because they wanted to see what this was all about. Because remember, Jesus had died, been buried, and dead people don't come back to life. But Jesus was there telling them to come see him. And when they saw Jesus, I can imagine, probably like many of us, we'd all have this instinct to say, well, let's start asking him all the questions we've ever wanted to ask. But that wasn't their response. Their response is so important because it takes us back to exactly what Jesus claimed about himself. And it's the response that every single person will one day eventually have. But their response was a little bit different because their response was Jewish men and women who were worshiping somebody who claimed to be God. And they believed that he was. And that was unheard of. This would have been incredibly offensive to Roman or Greek or Hebrew sensibilities. But what I love is the last part of this verse. Because Matthew's completely honest about the response of some of them there. Because while many of them worshipped, he says some doubted. Some hesitated. Some hit the pause button. And here's the thing. Maybe they thought, this makes me look bad because I'm not worshiping like I should be. But I think it just really demonstrated their true character. Because for many of these people, they had done this the whole time Jesus walked the earth. But here's the thing. They doubted. They had questions. And then Jesus gives us this amazing example that we love to talk about in the church, but we need to really dive into it. He gives his farewell address. And here's what he says, Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, Matthew is saying here that Jesus was letting them know everything had been granted to him. 
They were reminded that Jesus was referencing again this whole Messiah thing, claiming that he was who he claimed to be. Now let me take a small detour here. Because maybe for many of us, we probably say, okay, if that's true, then how has the big C church, or sometimes smaller C church, been able to leverage the Bible for all kinds of harmful nonsense? I think it's because this particular verse is oftentimes reduced to just another verse. And we just kind of skim over it. But here's what we need to understand, is what this verse is telling us is Jesus said, Jesus is our ultimate authority. Jesus said, he is our ultimate authority. And this is what the first century believers believed, and this is why they worshiped him. This is why they got what we sometimes miss, because they were never about misrepresenting their king. And so because of this, Jesus extends an invitation to them, and it's the same invitation that he extended when they first met, and it's the same invitation that he extends to you and I today. And here's what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. You see, in this phrase, And in the phrases that follow that we're going to look at, there are a variety of participles in the Greek text that are used, but there's only one imperative. There's only one command, and that command is right here, to make disciples. Here's the implication, is that as you're going and as you're living your life, you should be engaged some way with making more Jesus followers. In other words, Jesus expects you, he expects me, he expected them to carry out the mission that he had started. Making more followers. You see, part of our responsibility as Jesus followers is to take on that mantle is to live our life and engage with other people in a way that we literally multiply Jesus' followers because they can't help but say, I want what you have. But here's the other part of this verse. is It says, go to all the nations. This means everybody. Even the people that may feel a little uncomfortable or may, you know, go, I don't know. Everyone. But Jesus isn't done yet. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. You see, not only are we supposed to make disciples, we're supposed to baptize them, which is literally a covenant language. In other words, we're supposed to make sure That if someone says yes to following Jesus, they are included in the life of the church. Now, this gets a little bit uncomfortable for us, but I want to rewind just to the first century. Because you have to remember that Jews would not cross the threshold of a Gentile household. Or there were dietary or moral differences that would have been incredibly challenging for them. But Jesus says, not only go and make disciples, but baptize them. 
And so while we may consider this a little bit difficult, it would have been offensive to the first century believers unless Jesus was really who he claimed to be. But he's still not done. He continues on. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Quick show of hands. How many of you have heard this before? How many of you have read it like that and not given it a second thought? You can be honest. It's okay. You see, here's the thing, is we tend to rush by this, and we just go, okay, that's nice. But this would have been so offensive to those first century believers. But Jesus continues on, and he says, it's not just about making disciples. It's not just about baptizing them. It's not just about making sure that it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The second part of this is he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Some of you are like, no. (laughs) That's the job of the pastors. That's the job of the church staff. Sorry. Your pass ends today. It's your job as well. Because in addition to baptizing them, we're to teach them to obey everything that Jesus instructed them to do. In other words, we are called to live out what Jesus calls us to do. We're to replicate it and we're to teach it to other people so they get it. So let me push just for a little bit. What if we had actually been doing this all along? I guarantee you the world would be a better place. The church would be a healthier place. And if that isn't enough for you today, Jesus actually gives them a promise. But here's the thing. Again, we tend to misapply this because we just allow it to kind of blend in and we don't focus on it completely. So let's read verses 19 to 20 in their entirety. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, we need to draw special attention to the word you that's given there in verse 20. Because do you know who that you is actually referencing? Every single person that professes a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every person whose belief has feet. In other words, every single one of us are disciple makers. And so I'm going to ask you a bit of a rhetorical question here, but do you want Jesus to be with you? Hopefully your answer is yes, but for him to be with you, you have to be with him. And you may say, okay, what does that look like? Well, I'm glad you ask. Because in other words, you're saying it this way, are you currently devoting 
your time and your resources to make more disciples of Jesus? Are you currently devoting your time and your resources to make more disciples of Jesus? Or you could say it this way if you want a simpler version. Are you engaged in Jesus' business? Are you caught up in minding your own? You see, here's why I think this is important. And here's why I love what we do here at New Hope. It's because each and every week, There are adults, there are teenagers, and there are children that are seeking to be developed as followers of Jesus. And they're also seeking to help the next generation, as Brian alluded to earlier. I am so incredibly thankful for the people who invest in the next generation, not just because it makes my job easier, it does, but because it shows that they're investing in the future. And they're also investing in the right now. I'm also thankful for those of you that are connected to hope groups or classes or other opportunities where you wrestle with this question, how do we do this following Jesus thing each week? I'm thankful for those of you that serve in the church in different ways. Maybe some of you teach ESL classes, you work in the preschool, or maybe you serve in a nonprofit in the community. You see, we need to understand that while each of those are meeting the physical needs of people, you're literally opening the door for someone to potentially become a follower of Jesus. And so to all of you that are serving in those ways, and there are countless others, that just barely skims the surface. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. You see, these instructions that we read today were Jesus's final instructions. And that makes them essential. So what do we take from this passage today? Well, it's real simple. It's that Jesus' followers are multipliers. Jesus' followers are multipliers, sometimes collectively and sometimes individually. But Jesus wants us to be in the business of making disciples just like he was. So as you look at your life today, do you see instances where your time and resources are literally intersecting with the time and resources of other people? And if so, fantastic. Continue doing that. Continue serving and giving. Find your part And here's where some people typically say, I don't know what my part is. Well, guess what? We have people that would love to talk to you. (laughs) We would love to invite you to find your part so you can begin engaging in Jesus's business. This is for everyone because this is fundamental. This is essential because Jesus' followers are multipliers. And chances are you may be like I was when I first heard this passage and began to think about it, and you say, I don't know that I can do that. I want to invite you to remember the small handful of people that Jesus entrusted this to in the beginning. 
These were people who had never been anywhere beyond where they could walk. And Jesus entrusted them with the mission and responsibility to make disciples, to baptize them, to invite people into the life of the church, to connect with them, to teach them. This was incredibly fragile. But because we're all sitting here today, guess what? They figured it out. And so can you. They were good stewards of the gospel in their generation. And we are called to be good stewards of the gospel in our generation. You see, if you're a Jesus follower, chances are somebody invested in you. And I want you just to take a moment and I want you to think about that person. Someone invested in you. So why not do the same for someone else? And here's the thing. We have the promise from Jesus that if we do this, he will be with us because we are with him. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much for this series that we've been able to work through the words of of Jesus and things that he taught and help us understand what that means for us today, specifically in regards to how we can be a disciple maker. And as we looked today at your final words, we're reminded it's pretty straightforward. We're to go and make disciples. We're to baptize them. We're to teach them. And we're to understand that, God, that you will be with us because we are with you. So, Jesus, thank you so much for entrusting a small group of 11 guys who didn't have a clue what they were about to do. And thank you for their faithfulness to the mission and responsibility that they've now passed on to us. And may we go and do the same. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, as we come to this point of reflection in our service, I want to give you three questions to think about today. The first is this. Who are the people who contributed most to your decision to follow Jesus? Who are the people who helped you develop your understanding of what that looks like? And what did they do? to help you on that journey. Second, are you currently devoting your time and resources to make more disciples of Jesus.
And the last question, when it comes to being a multiplier, what is a good next step for you?
you believe that? It's not rhetorical. (laughs) See, if we believe that Jesus Christ really is our living hope, then we're to do what he called us to do, which is to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. It's that simple. And if you say, I don't know how to do that, or I don't know where I fit in this equation, again, we would love to talk to you. We would love to have that conversation. Or maybe if you're here today and you say, I don't even know if I am a Jesus follower, we'd love to talk to you as well. Because he has given us a plan to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them, and he promises to be with us. So this week, go and make disciples and have a fantastic week. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.